Uh, I was asked to come and share some stories from our church, LifeSpring, uh, which meets out in Overton. And I, and I was like, well, sure, it'd be great. I'll bring some friends with me. As you can see, I brought nobody with me, uh, which is okay. I lined up a guy, he couldn't make it. I lined up a lady, and she couldn't make it. Lined up another guy, and he couldn't make it. And that's the way it works, isn't it? There are real people with real things happening. A migraine happened for Allie, so she couldn't come. Johnny moved, somewhat surprising, so he couldn't come. And another guy is uh, going to an AA meeting in Swindon where he's speaking and sharing his testimony. So he couldn't come, which is quite all right. Uh, so I want to walk us through Acts 16. That doesn't mean I'm going to say in verse this, verse that. It's not really a teaching on Acts 16. It's more of a springboard to share some stories. But in Acts 16, we see Paul and Silas, and they're on one of their journeys. And they are, you know, they've been going around, and they're not quite certain where to go next. And then Paul gets a dream. And in that dream, it says, go to Macedonia. Go there. I'm going to point that way. That's not Macedonia, but go there. And he's like, he didn't dither. It wasn't like, well, I might go to Macedonia, or I might go over this way. No, he clearly just said, I'm going to go there. And so he came over to Troas, where he caught the next boat, I assume, and went to Macedonia. Interestingly enough, the dream didn't say to do what when you got there, just go there. And when he got there, he still didn't know what to do. It was a matter of praying and asking God. So when we hit the pandemic, my guess is all of you thought, what next, right? Everybody, I'm sure everybody head is shaking. Certainly leaders were thinking, what do we do now? We can't gather as we have. We can't do what we've always done. We must figure out what we're going to do next. And for us in LifeSpring, we felt connection was really important. So we tried to connect as much as possible, although it wasn't easy at that time. Well, I was sitting in a meeting, and I think it may have been Andy, actually, that said, you know, what about Alpha? You know, do it online. It's pretty easy. Do it online. And I thought about it. I was like, oh, my word, Alpha. We've not run an Alpha for like 10 years in LifeSpring. We hadn't had the people to do it. Uh, not the people to run it. We hadn't had the guests to come. And I thought, you know what? We're going to run an Alpha. We're going to put it online, and we're going to see who turns up. We're going to do this. So I mentioned to the church, said, hey, what do you think about us doing an Alpha? And they're like, yeah, let's do it. So we put it out there and said, it's going to start. We just picked a date. It's going to start this date, and we'll see who comes. We put it out there. Uh, one lady from the church was like, oh, great. I've got a friend at work I've wanted to invite for so long. Of course, we didn't know that until we said we were going to do it. They didn't know what they were going to do in Macedonia until they got there and God spoke. So I said, okay, great. So Abby was going to come along. And then another lady, Claire, was going to come along. And then someone from church said, oh, I would love to come. I want my faith to grow. And I'm going to bring my daughter and her two daughters, so my grandchildren as well. And so they all came. And it was lovely. We all met on Alpha uh, week after week. And, of course, during the pandemic, there was nothing else to do, was there? It was like, yes, I've got plans on a Wednesday. And it was great. We got to know each other really well. And you could just sense that God was moving through that time. Awesome. Abby got saved. I've since baptized Abby last September at the same day that I baptized my own daughter. So it was a really, really banner day. It was an awesome time. And to me, it was just a little bit of a window into what they may have faced when they went to Macedonia. You know, like we got there, what do we do next? Well, God... Hello, there we go. God spoke. And they went to pray. And they met a lady named Lydia... And she got saved. And she was like the first convert in Europe. 
and a whole church sprung up around her. And all of a sudden, it was quite clear, why had they gone to Macedonia? God had plans for them at that place. Why had we run an alpha? Well, it was a springboard into new things for us. So we were really pleased. We'd done that. We'd sort of made our way through the pandemic, as you do, trying to figure out what's next. And then we hit November when everything shut down, and then the Christmas everybody was going to enjoy, and everything shut down, and back into another lockdown. Well, I went out for a coffee. This was just after Christmas, and it was a day when it was driving rain. But the rule had come that you couldn't go into any buildings together. You couldn't sit on a bench together. So we got a coffee, walked around, me and a guy that had contacted me out of nowhere and said, hey, I want to talk about faith with you. I was like, great. We get this coffee, we're walking around in the driving rain, and at the very end of the conversation, he's like, well, what do I do next, Earl? I said, I'm not sure. What do you think? He's like, I'd like to do an alpha. I said, great, we've got one coming up. Uh, At that point, we hadn't talked at all about doing another alpha, but it made sense, didn't it? So he, again, reminded me a bit of like a Lydia. He didn't get saved, actually, at that moment, but he sprung board us into the next thing. And so I said to the church, hey, what do you think about us doing another alpha? We've done one. And this time it was like, yes, we're going to do this. There was a lot of fire for it, which is wonderful. And so we, I got bold, and I started putting it all over Facebook. I started marketing it. We paid for advertising, and we had people from all over saying, I'll be there, I'll be there. This is great. I want to come, I want to come. And as a church leader, I was fired up. It's like, wow, something we're doing is working, A. And B, there's a lot of excitement around it at the same time. So... We got to that first, and I had asked Helen to come along from our church. I said, Helen, we've got so many guests coming that I would like you to come along just to be there to help them along. And it also encourage your faith as well. And she prayed about it, and she said, I'll be there, which is great. And so we got to the first night, and I was really fired up, and Helen came. And that was it, only Helen uh, and the other leader, Margaret. And so we were like oh my word, we had so many people lined up. I'd talked to them that day, and they weren't there. So we prayed. Ten minutes later, I walk out with my tail between my legs. Rebecca's out in the, in the living room. She's like, what's going on? I said, well, people didn't turn up. And then, you know, it's really weird, because anybody here done Alpha Online, or you've been on Zoom and you're waiting for everybody to turn up, and you know they're going to come, but it's just a black screen, and it just carried on being a black screen, and it got really depressing. Anyway, so we said, well, we're not going to stop. You know what? We feel led to do another alpha, so we're going to do it. So we came to the next week, and this time the guy came that I had had the conversation with. So we had two, and we thought, you know what? We're going to settle in with an alpha with two people. Fantastic. You know, we're going to see God move through these people. Great. Well, anyway, the story goes on. Then the following Tuesday, I got an email in our LifeSpring email. I never check our LifeSpring email. I check it like once a week, max. Now I check it more often, but back then I hardly ever checked it. And there was an email from a guy called Johnny. And the email said, hey, I'm looking to do an alpha. Uh, I tried to do one in a different uh, church, but they said it was full. So I just looked at the list and chose yours. I was like, great. Wrote back, you know, typed back really quick. It was like at 9.30 at night. I said, hey, Rebecca, look at this. We got an email from a guy called Johnny. He found us on the Alpha portal. He wants to potentially go. So I wrote back, and he wrote back, and I wrote back, and he wrote back. And I said, yeah, come along tomorrow night. We're ready for you. He came, and he got saved, which is really awesome. Turns out, Johnny, 
had written that email and said to himself, you know what, if someone responds, it's real. If someone doesn't, it's not, and I'm done. He was probably going to kill himself. He, I'll show a picture of him. Now he knows, and all these other people I'm going to reference know, that I use their names and I use their stories. He's the guy in the middle. And I'll talk about the other guys too. But I told him, I said, you know what, your guys' stories are awesome, and they're going to go around the world. So is that okay? And they're like, great, share our stories. So they gave me that picture for my birthday, which was really cool. So there's Johnny with the big smile uh, in the middle. So he called, or he came that night, thought, wow, this is great. He said, can I bring a friend? I said, yes, you can. So he brought Ali the next week, who's the guy on the, the left, and he got saved, which was great. So all of a sudden, we go from having not much going on in an alpha to two guys who we've never met out of the clear blue they both happened to live in Andover. He didn't even know where our church was. He literally chose it out of a list. Comes to find out he's in Andover, and we're in Overton, 15-minute drive. Super easy to get there and be in contact with him. And they both have gotten saved. Now, Johnny's story is he's been a user since, um, you know, hard drugs for years and years and years. And he's trying to come clean. And one of the main things they talk about in AA and uh, when you're in recovery, is put your faith in something, some higher power. And for most people, that higher power, well, not for most, for some people, that higher power is God. For some, it's creation. For some, it may be a different, a different God or whatever. And for some, it's Jesus. So they may believe in God, but they don't necessarily get to that point of Jesus. Well, for him, his uh, grandmother was a believer, and had prayed for him for years and years. You know, you hear that story, oh, my grandma prayed for me forever. Well, that's the same thing. So his grandma prayed for him, and his grandma passed away, and he was really sad about it. But he remembered, you know what? She was a believer. There must be something there. And so he said, I'm going to look into this. And so when they said, put your power, put your trust in some higher power, he's like, okay, I'll try praying to God. And he tried and got nowhere. And then he said, you know what? I think I'm missing something. And someone said, why don't you try Alpha? Because they talk about Jesus. He's like, Jesus, that's what it is. And so he wanted to try Jesus, so he did. And he came and he got saved. Anyway, he showed the video to his friend, Ali. Ali said, this answers every question I ever had. Well, that reminded me of, um, was it Jesus was talking to the woman at the well? And, he, and she said, boy, he knew everything about my life. He didn't actually say that much about her life. He said something about her life. Yet she was totally sold. Well, I don't think it answered every question Ali ever had, but Ali got saved that night. So we had two guys, which was really, really awesome, and they, just, they were just continuing to grow. It was a beautiful thing, a really wonderful thing. So I'm going to pause there and go back to Acts 16. So let's go back, or over there, uh, back to um, when Paul and Silas are now going to go into the city. And they've seen Lydia get saved, and they're going to go into Philippi. And if you don't know the story, they're preaching the gospel. You know, they're walking around doing what Paul and Silas did. But they've got a, a girl behind them who's demon-possessed who just keeps on screaming at them the whole time, which must be so annoying. And the Bible says that this went on for days. Can you imagine that? Walking around Basingstoke preaching the gospel. Okay, that's a pretty tough thing to do for a long time, to do it for days, and to have someone yelling behind you the whole time. Anyway, they did that. Finally, Paul gets sick of it. And the Bible says he turned around, rebuked him, cast the demon out, and, you know, job done. 
except for the owners of the lady who was making the money uh, didn't like that because her she was like a, in the divination and so forth, and she was a slave. She was probably their way of getting a lot of money. Uh, all of a sudden, she was taken out of the picture. The magistrates didn't like it because of all the commotion that Paul and Silas had brought to the city. And so they are then brought into judgment and thrown into the prison. What's interesting in the Bible, it doesn't say they were just thrown into prison. They were thrown into the inner prison. Not just into the general jail, but the deepest, darkest part of the jail. And I thought about that. I was like, okay, what's the deal with the inner prison? Well, in the inner prison, it's totally dark. You can't see anything. It must be a place of next to no hope. It must be a place where you're like, I'm never going to get out of here. I don't think I will ever see the light of day. It must be a place where you're hungry, where you're thirsty, where you're scared, all those emotions to be in the inner prison. And I thought about these guys. You know, the, the drug use that dominates for 30, 35 years, that's the inner prison. And so there were Paul and Silas in the inner prison. And what does the Bible say that they did while they were there? They worshiped. They worshiped, they sang in the stocks, in whatever. We probably can't really think how bad it was. It was worse than what you'd think it was. And there they were worshiping. And there the people were listening. And so the inner prison is a place of despair and dark. And that's, that's where these guys came from when they found Jesus. And that is just an exciting, exciting thing in and of itself. So now back to life spring. Is that okay that I'm bouncing back and forth, hopefully painting both? I have no PowerPoint. Robin was like, where's your PowerPoint? I said, I don't have one. I always speak with PowerPoint. Hopefully I'm able to paint the picture with words. So we did the Alpha, and it was fantastic. These guys got saved. They continued coming along to uh, whatever we were doing. At that point, we were doing some stuff in person, which was wonderful because the restrictions had been lifted. You saw them sometimes, but not always, because... With new believers, especially ones that have come from recovery, it's not in their time clock to be at church on a Sunday every morning or every Sunday morning. If they remember or if they happen to have nothing else on, yeah, I'll be there. But what's really interesting is with new believers that we found, they really feel part of it, whether they're there or not. They somehow feel like, this is my family, this is my people, I'm part of this. And so we've found this importance of connection with them a lot through WhatsApp and so on. So we did that, what, that alpha, and then at the end of that, um, we decided, hey, we're going to do one in person, because now you can do them in person. So we ran an alpha then at a local coffee shop, and we thought, who's going to come to that? A lady turned up from the village who was starting to look into faith again. She'd had some rough times. Another guy turned up who we knew a little bit who has had a, an addiction uh, problem in the past. Another guy that came uh, who'd had uh, some addiction trouble as well. And all of a sudden, we found ourselves running another alpha. These guys came again, and they just grew in their faith. And it was really, really exciting. So during that time, um, we were going to have the uh, Alpha Saturday which is a really, really fun part of it. Talk about the Holy Spirit, spend the day together. Uh, Johnny's mom, Miranda, had come to church 
twice. And I had said, hey, why don't you do the Alpha online with us? I'll send you the videos. You can follow along. She couldn't come in person. I said, but come along to the Alpha Saturday. And she's like, all right, I'll come. I was like, great. And she did. So she drove up from Bournemouth, uh, came to the Alpha Saturday, and cried her way through the first part of it. Then we had lunch, watched the video, cried her way through the next video. And we'd been given a word by a lady in the church for her for that day. And uh, so I just felt, I think now's the time for her. And I said, Miranda, I want to read this to you. I read this word about going into the next season. And she cried her way, you know, all the way through that. And I said, are you ready to go into the next season of your life? She's like, yes. And so there she was, gave her heart to the Lord with her son sitting right here in the couch watching her same son who's come out of drug addiction, who she's watched change over and over so much that she's like, well, I've watched Johnny. I know it's real. I know this isn't just whatever. This is life-changing stuff. I want that. And so she got saved as well, which was really quite amazing. <clears throat> so we carried on, and at this point, we're like, there's something happening here. This isn't just a one-off. Lydia, back in the day, started it. And then Paul and Silas went and then ended up getting thrown in the jail. And it seemed like all was lost at that point. Well, when coronavirus hit, it maybe felt like the church wasn't going to go anywhere. But that's not true. So when they were in the inner prison, they were worshiping. And the jailers saw that and other people saw that. And the earthquake comes along. And it's, and it's all over at this point because the jail breaks and surely everybody's leaving, Right? And then what does the jailer say? He's got, the, he's got to sort out because he knows if they're gone, his life's over. And Paul and Silas says, we're here. And the jailer doesn't say, great, oh, wonderful, I'm going to go recheck you back in so to make sure everybody's still in the jail. He says, what must I do to be saved? Can I be saved too? He doesn't even say, oh, I'm thankful. He said, can I be saved? Because he saw them in action. And he saw them in the inner prison, worshiping. And he knew there's something there that I want. Something life-changing that I want. And so then the Bible says it wasn't just the jailer. It was then when Paul and Silas went back to the jailer's house, and his whole household got saved and got baptized on the spot, which must have been an amazing service. And when it says household, that doesn't mean, you know, just Robin, Margie, and their kids. It means Robin, Margie, their kids, their friends, anyone else who happened to be around, any other slaves who happened to be around, everyone that happened to pass through. It's a big deal, the whole household. And so it wasn't just the jailer. And I guess a word that I really felt God say, it's never just the jailer. It's not. The jailer may be the one that gets it started, but it's bigger. So, again, I'll show you the picture. So there's Johnny. For us, he was a bit like the jailer. His mom got saved. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of other family, so there wasn't much more from his household. But his friend got saved. And so then we were going to baptize Johnny and Ollie. It was like a time that the whole church had been like, yes, you know what, they've come through. They're working their way through addiction. They've come through Alpha. We've gotten to know them. They're going to get baptized. What an amazing day. And so we're all planned for this. We're at Whitchurch Baptist. We hired the, the building and had them fill the pool early and so on. And Johnny doesn't turn up. He'd, he'd had a relapse, which is actually quite something that he does often. Because that's not easy. People still relapse. 
that addiction is still strong. And he, and he relapsed. He didn't tell his mom, so his mom drove up to see the baptism, and he wasn't there. Well, earlier that day, Ollie had called me and said, hey, I've got a friend, Gavin. Uh, you've met him once. He's become a Christian. Would you baptize him? I said, wow, oh, I'd love to do that. He's a really nice guy. So he comes along to the baptism service. So I got up and said, hey, everybody, it's great to be here today. We're, we're ready to celebrate. We've got two guys to get baptized. Johnny's not here, but Gavin is. Gavin, can you come on up and introduce yourself and let us know who you are before we baptize you? And baptized him on the spot. Well, he loved it. He thought it was amazing. Uh, he then started coming to church the next week. And he's now right in the center of things, uh, which is just beautiful. His first time ever being there, he did tea and coffee, because that's what you do. You just get involved. And um, he's the one that's speaking in Swindon later on this evening at an AA meeting. And so often when I contact him, oh, yeah, I'm going here to speak. Oh, I'm going here to speak. I'm going here to share, whatever it is, uh, which is just a wonderful thing. So we baptized both those guys, um, which was highly exciting. At this point, we were running another Alpha, this one online. And this is one that Ali was running himself. So he'd come from getting saved to learning more to getting baptized to then co-running an Alpha, uh, which Gavin then plugged into and another guy from addiction plugged into. And that was just a beautiful thing. In fact, I couldn't even go to that very often, yet it still carried on. I was so pleased to have these guys have come that far, which is wonderful. Um, so I've been dropping a lot of names. And the reason is because they're real. As I've spoken about it in various churches, they're real people with real issues, with real joys, with real life change, with real possibility, with real opportunities. And so it can be frustrating when they don't follow through on what you expect. It can be frustrating when they make a decision like, really, why would you do that? But it can be amazing when you see what they have done and what they can do and what they will do. And so when I look at the list of people that we didn't know before this journey, we didn't know Heather, who's really now part of the church and has come back to faith as a 60-something-year-old lady. Allie, who feels like it has given up on faith, who was listening to a Stormzy album on the way to, to work one day, and God said, do Alpha. So she, called, she texted me and said, hey, I want to do Alpha. I was like, really? Great. Why? She's like, I was listening to Stormzy, and God just said, do Alpha. So she did. And she's the one that couldn't come today. She had a migraine. But she's been working through real things. And she's come back, which has been awesome. And then these guys, which I've shown you the pictures of, Gavin and Johnny and Ollie, uh, again, real people who are lives are just transforming before their own eyes not only ours but before theirs as well and they've said you know what I don't know where I'd be and that's very legitimate they don't know where they'd be if they hadn't found Christ if they hadn't found new life in him if they hadn't found new hope in him well, where would the jailer have been back in our story you know he thought he was done N no way would the would all the prisoners stay in the prison, but they did. They were all there. They're, he was okay. He got saved. His whole family got saved. My guess is they probably became part of the church that met at Lydia's house at some point. 
And so from Paul and Silas listening to go to Macedonia, not even knowing what they're doing there, to all that exploding around them. Hopefully we're a little bit of the same kind of thing. Hey, let's do an alpha and let's just see what happens. And now this is what's continued to, to snowball, which is really, really exciting. So um, a couple months ago, then we were going to do a baptism service again, our third one, which is nuts. We hadn't done one for eight years. Uh, but our third one, and this time it was Johnny and his mom. Uh, so there he was, Johnny on the spot, literally. Uh, his mom there, and he helped baptize her this time, uh, which was truly full circle kind of thing. And then in the pool with me were these other guys while we baptized him. And so it was a glorious time. Um, we want to see more of that, don't we? And I, I want to see more of those guys doing that with their friends. So we had, um, we had a, a brunch just before I left the country to go to America. And I started hearing rumors, there's a number of people coming to this. You know, this seems to be a bit bigger than we're used to. We normally get around 30, 35 on a given Sunday morning. And to the brunch we had somewhere in around mid-80s. And we're like, man, God is doing something here. That's like more than double. What we know. I mean, there are people everywhere, including Matt and Katie, who we'd never met. And Matt and Katie were the ones that were cooking the hash browns and tomatoes and mushrooms and so on. Uh, Gavin had invited them and said, hey, we're doing a brunch thing at our church. You want to come along? They're like, yeah, sure, we'll come along to that. Don't know what that is. Well, they got there early, uh, and I said, oh, hey, nice to meet you. I didn't, I didn't know who they were. And the lady doing the cooking walked in and said, okay, who's my team? I said, well, you see them all here. Um, what's your name? Matt and Katie. Okay, yeah, you go with her. And they ended up cooking brunch for the whole lot. Well, I asked him, I said, um, hey, what's your, what's your background? Assuming, you know, that he's a believer, some kind of, he's like, what's your uh, background? What's your belief? He's like, oh, I'm an atheist. I was like, oh, okay, well, great to have you with us. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, and we showed a video that morning, um, The Blessing, uh, which, you know, great song. This is a really powerful version of The Blessing that we showed. And I looked over and saw a tear. He's wiping tears. And so then I thought, oh, man, you know, God is doing something with this guy. Doesn't even know what he's coming to. He's in recovery as well. And it was just amazing. So I've contacted him since. They said, we loved it. We really want to come back and meet other people and so on. We, we don't really know what it is, but we've loved it, whatever it was, uh, which is a pretty cool uh, thing to have happen. So we were really, really pleased. It feels like the ball is rolling in that respect. And uh, it's just very exciting to share those kinds of stories rather than hearing about them somewhere else uh, to see them happening in our own neck of the woods. So I had some questions uh, just to think about. Where is your Macedonia, the place that God is calling you at present? I don't mean necessarily physically. It could be, you know, something more emotional or whatever. But where's the place that God is calling you? You're not sure what you're going to do when you get there but you know it's a next step or should be a next step. That's a question to think about. Another one is, who do you see in the inner prison who's actually ready for God? So Paul and Silas were in the inner prison, and ironically, people got saved out of them being in the prison. The guys I'm talking about, they were in the inner prison, but they were actually ready at that point. They'd come to a point where, you know what, I need to put my faith in something, and I'm putting it in Jesus. So who do you know, who have you heard of that they look like they're in an inner prison? They're in a 
the worst spot, but actually God has their finger on them. That's the person to be praying for. That's the person to try to reach out to. And maybe someone springs to your mind. And then another question, who is the jailer in your life? The one who hears you, the one who sees your devotion to Christ, and the one that says, I want that. Because that's what the jailer did. He saw Paul and Silas in the worst spot. He saw them locked up, yet they worshiped. And he said, that's what I want. Not, hey, I want to make sure you guys are all back in the jail so I keep my life and keep my job. I want to be saved. And I want my whole family to be saved. And so that's where I show this picture again. You know, Johnny, Johnny came along and really changed how we think about people. And interestingly enough, he's the one that has the most struggle out of those three. The other two, a lot more solid. The other two, probably uh, more likely to make good decisions and to share, share wisdom. Yet he's the one that got the ball rolling. And that's, that's who God is working through. So those are the questions I would leave. You know, is there, who's watching, who's listening? And they're saying, I want some of that. That's why it's so important that we worship. That's why it's so important that we live it out day in and day out, even in, when we're in the trouble, like in inner prison. So that's the stories uh, that spring to my mind from our church. Hopefully, if I came again, I'd have new ones. Hopefully, it would move on from these guys to more. And we'll see what's next, uh, because we don't want to stop there. And we don't plan on it stopping there. With that being said, we don't have another alpha planned, so we'll see if something comes out of the woodwork. And if it does, we're ready. Uh, we're not going to be taking uh, a back on that one. Praise God. Thanks, Earl. How amazing. How amazing is that?